Um, and um, I think we all know this verse here in John chapter 14. It says in verse 6, uh, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, this is a pretty strong statement. Jesus said there's no other way to the Father except through him. You know, and even in the church, a lot of times people will say, you know, when they get to be kind of outside of, of, the, of the core uh, faith, you know, they'll start saying things. Well, there's a lot of ways to heaven, you know, and, you know, Jesus is one of many ways. And, in fact, anybody see there was an article about, uh, you know, Harvard uh, University has got a school of divinity. And, and historically, it was one of the, the you know, the best uh, schools of divinity uh, in the, probably in the world. And, of course, men get a hold of it and they ruin everything that they touch. Well, now they got an atheist that runs the school of, 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 uh, of divinity. <laughs> they say, well, we got an atheist. That way he gets along with everybody, right? Because he can get along with the Muslims that way and the Christians and, you know, the Hindus. And, and uh, you know, you want to raise your hand like, does anybody see that this is dumb, right? No, no, nobody sees any problem with you having an atheist at the head of the school of divinity, right? Uh, and so... Uh, sometimes we can get so smart we're really, really dumb. Uh, but Jesus said, I'm the way. There's no other way. Amen? There, there's no other way. You know, but for your life, you know, there's no other way for you to fix things other than the Lord Jesus. Amen? Uh, and how many years have, have people spent sometimes trying to fix things in their life that uh, they finally exasperated every other way and finally they go to the Lord? And, Lord, can I help? And he's like, well, I would have helped, you know, in 1938, you know, when this thing first showed up, you know. And, and so... Uh, just it, it's good to remind yourself that Jesus is the only way. Uh, and, uh, and it's a good way, right? Uh, his, his way is his yoke is easy and his burden is what? Is light, you know. Uh, it's not a difficult path. Some people say Christianity is, it's hard being a Christian, you know. Easiest thing in the world to be a Christian, right? Easiest thing, you got the power of God, the word of God, uh, the voice of the Lord, uh, all operating on your behalf in your life. Uh, how hard could it possibly be, right? Uh, you've got the power of resurrection operating in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelleth in you. Uh, you know, it took a lot of power to raise Jesus from the dead. And, and God said that dwells in you. Same power that created every star and, sky and blade of grass in the world lives on the inside of you. So uh, Jesus is the way. Amen. Uh, every step you take, he's the way. Uh, every breath you breathe, he's the way. Amen. And so just remind yourself that, you know, you're the only way, Lord, not my way, not my 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 neighbor's way, not my church's way, not my pastor's way. Uh, Jesus is the way. Amen. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's and it's a good way. Even if you didn't believe in the Lord, it's still a good way. Amen. Now, you should believe in the Lord because it's going to be to your advantage. But um, uh, but he's the way. Amen. And so just re just remind yourself that Jesus is the way. So why don't we stand and greet, you, greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship. Uh, we thank the Lord for his goodness and kindness. Amen. Uh, we thank the Lord for being kind to us, speaking to us. You know, he's given us every ability, every tool, every, uh, uh, every bit of power that we need to be successful in this earth. Amen. Uh, he's given us his word, his spirit, the blood of the Lord Jesus, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Uh, th there's really no, no reason why any Christian should ever fail at anything in this life. Amen. Surely not fail against sin. Surely not fail against the enemy. Surely never fail uh, against sickness and disease. You know, we, we have a right and a privilege that's been bought and paid for. Uh, 
at a great price, amen, uh, to allow us to be successful. And so we thank the Lord for those things, amen. Uh, and so uh, we have been teaching about not fainting. And, uh, you know, the, the Lord had just encouraged me to, uh, to teach about this because, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that were wonderful uh, Christians and some event occur in their life. And, and then, you know, they just kind of quit. Yeah, and that's, you know, the, the Bible calls that and the New Testament calls it fainting, right? When you just, you just can't go on any further for whatever reason, you know. And, and those reasons are often valid reasons from a, from a natural standpoint that, um, you know, somebody said something, somebody's done something to you. Uh, and, um, you know, how many people are not in church because somebody else at church was unkind to them, you know? Well, what happened? Well, they, those people that are no longer in church, they fainted. You know, they may have been going to church for 50 years before that. And somebody said something and they fainted. And, uh, and um, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to faint uh, because when we faint, we just, uh, we, we just stop uh, progressing in our lives. Amen. Uh, and I know after my pastor passed away in 2007, you know, the people that we went to church with for decades, you know, Jerry was there and, of course, Chris was there and my kids were there, people that we went to church with for decades just quit going to church because... You know, uh, the pastor passed away uh, and they're good people. They're wonderful people, but they fainted in their minds. And so there's many reasons why people faint in their minds. And, and we've been going through several of them. Uh, and we're not going to re- rehash all of them. But, you know, one of them was sin. And one of them was was uh, sometimes it seems like the Lord delays in his answer to prayer. Uh, but uh, did he say that he would always uh, give us everything that we pray for? He did. Right. Many times he said that. Uh, and, um, uh, of course, when he says that he would give us everything that we, we ask for, uh, that means that what we ha- ask for has to be in line with his word and his will. Amen. You can't ask for a pink elephant. You can't ask for your neighbor's wife or, you know, there, there are obvious things that you can't ask for. But if you'll stay, you know, if you'll stay in his presence, uh, you know, everything that he has belongs to you. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be what? given unto you right is there any limit to that no so if you stay in him what's he willing to give to you everything i mean you know uh, and, and it's amazing to me how often that statement riles up people in a church how some people get so mad because you say well god will give you everything that you ask for well you can't say that well i didn't say it you know he literally said if you abide in me my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and what it shall be done unto you now, did I write that? Did I say those words? I mean, I didn't write it. I didn't say those words. I'm just repeating what, what the Lord Jesus himself, the head of the church, has said to us. Amen. So there are requirements on our side to stay in him and his words to stay in us. Amen. But, you know, if you'll do that, it's pretty much the sky's the limit. Uh, you can ask whatever you want to. You know, one of the things I taught my kids growing up, and, and it, it, came, it came through the Lord rebuking me. You know, we're talking about chastising, right? The Lord chastised me and uh, and it started one day when my, when my kids were just real little, two, three years old, and they were jumping on my bed. And, you know, why do kids jump on beds? Because it's a lot of fun. You ever jumped on a bed? You know, I mean, it's, you know, if you're real little, you can jump really high on a bed. And, uh, and uh, you know, I told them, stop doing that. Well, why did I, you know, why did I, and in fact, later on, the Lord said, why did you tell them to stop? And I thought, well, that's kind of a dumb question. That, cause I'm like, well, that's my job. My job is to tell my kids no. That's my job, right? Because you know, that's what, it wouldn't have, I mean, not all of you were raised that way, but that's the way I was raised. You know, hey, mom, can I, no. Well, I mean, I ask you what, just no. You know, can I go to a friend's house? No. Can I have a friend over? No. You know, I mean, just, you know, can I breathe there? No. Well, we, we might let you do that, you know, but, 
uh, it was always no. You know, we never went anywhere, never did anything, never had a friend over, never went to a friend's house, you know. And, and you know, I tell you all those to make you all feel sorry for me because, you know, I had such a heart growing up. And you can see how bitter and, and upset I am about all that, right? Uh, and so, but it was always no. And so you just, you just train that way and, and, and you have kids and you start telling them no. And he said, well, why'd you tell them no? I said, well, that's my job. And, and, and he said, well, how many times do I tell you no? Uh, and, and I thought, you know, I mean, John 15, 7 right there, is, you know, says that uh, uh, he'll never tell me no. You know, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. Isn't that what it says? All the promises of God are in him, Yes. So if you ask the Lord, does that promise belong to me? What's the answer? Yes. yes. Now, did we write that? Did I write those words? I didn't write those words. All the promises of God are yes. Uh, and so what, you, what, I, what I set upon in my life then was to teach my kids how to ask correctly. Because if you ask correctly, the answer is always what? Yes. Always yes. If you ask correctly, if you ask according to his will, right? Uh, we know that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if, he, that if he hears us, we have the petitions wherever we ask. Now, that's in 1 John 5, 14. He said that, right? That if, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So, so the Lord rebuked me. He chastised me. Uh, you know, you're wrong. The way that you want to raise your kids is wrong. Now, he, I hope, I'm glad he, he instructed me that when my kids were small, the way to, and it didn't wait until they were, you know, 20 years old. And we never got nothing from my dad, you know. Uh, and you can ask my kids. Uh, they probably can't count on, on one whole hand how many times I've told them no. Because I taught them as a young age uh, how to ask correctly, so the answer is always yes. Uh, and, you know, if they wanted to go somewhere, the answer was yes. If they wanted to buy something, the answer was yes. And, you know, the Lord prospered us and allowed us to do that. And, well, you're spoiled your kids. You, if you've met my kids, none of them are spoiled, you know. You don't spoil your kids by, by uh, giving them things, you spoil the kids by not loving them and teaching them anything, right? Just let them act like wild animals. That's the job of the grandparents, right? But the job of the parents is to actually teach them and instruct them, right? The job of the grandparents is to just never say uh, no about nothing, right? And, and so, uh, <laughs> but, but the Lord didn't tell the grandparents to raise the children, right? Uh, the, the Lord uses the grandparents to get back at the children for all the things they did when they were growing up, right? I think that's part of it there too, but, uh, and so, so the Lord, the Lord never tells you no. Uh, and, and so the problem is we're not teaching our children correctly how to ask the right question because uh, here's what happens. So many kids grow up and all they hear is no, 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 no. And so what do they, they quit asking? Now they become an adult and the Lord says, I need you to ask. And didn't he say, that if you, that do you have to ask? You know, well, well I'd have to ask. The Lord, doesn't the Lord already know what we have need of? But the Lord said, I know that. I still want you to ask. Well, Lord, I don't want to ask because I was always told no growing up. And so we've taught, we've ruined half a generation. I mean, it's every generation is like that, I know. But, but it takes so much work for adults to overcome the training as children uh, to learn how to be people of faith. Because their parents are supposed to be a reflection of Lord Jesus. And I know, it, you know, and now how many parents knew that? How many parents knew not to tell their kids no? I don't really know any other parent in the universe that was ever taught that of the Lord, but I was taught that of the Lord. And so I'm passing on, you know, my wisdom, even though you're, many of your grandparents, you know, uh, you know, maybe you can help out a little bit of the way, right? <laughs> and so, but of course, grandparents are probably more like that anyway, that, you know, not telling their kids no. Uh, and so, uh, but, but uh, in fact, you know, I'm, I remember there was one minister said, first thing I tell my kids when we go to the store, don't be asking for anything. 
And as soon as they said that, it rose up in my heart. Well, that's not the way I am. In fact, I want you to ask for things. Then the Lord, doesn't the Lord want us to ask for things? He literally said many times, I want you to ask. And so why do we tell our kids to, to don't ask for anything? Now, when they become an adult, what do they do? They don't ask for the Lord for anything. Amen. No, we, we need to, to um, teach them right. So the Lord rebuked me, he chastised me because, you know, I didn't ask him how to raise my kids. I just assumed that everything my mom and dad did was right, you know, and, and not that I really assumed that. I just, that's the way, you know, we all survived and we all made it to adulthood, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, you just kind of, sometimes those things you learn growing up, you just take them right into your Christian life. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, of course, many of you had an advantage and a blessing to be raised by Christian parents. Uh, And so uh, I was raised mostly by a pack of wolves, it seemed like, you know, and and, uh, a lot of cussing and a lot of screaming, a lot of hollering and fussing and fighting, you know, uh, going on all the time. And and I just kind of assumed that was normal, right? And, of course, that's not normal. That's not normal according to the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, the Lord does chastise us. And so we're here in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, you know, that's not a bad word, though. Because a lot of times when, when people think the Lord chastises us, he does it by some evil intent. He does it by causing us harm and difficulty, right? Causing us to be sick or, you know, a lot of things. And... and um, and yet, you know, we talked about how you go through the word of God, go through the Gospels and look at the Lord Jesus and how he chastised the people that were around him. Did he ever put sickness on him? Did he ever cause disaster to come into their life? Do you ever have the earth open up and, and swallow a few of them every now and then just to teach him something? No. How did he chastise them? Always the same way with his word. So how is he going to chastise you today? Always the same way with his word. Now, doesn't his spirit live on the inside of you? Can he speak to you? Can he correct you in those things? And, you know, what you need to learn is how to be quick to say, yes, sir. Amen. That's no, nothing wrong with asking for more information. But usually it's been my experience when the Lord chastises me that the revelation of what he's talking about comes along with those words. And when he says, hey, you're doing wrong, and then I see why I'm doing wrong, and, and then my only response is, yes, sir. But some people would like, no, I don't do that, Lord. As if... He's going to go, oh, well, you're right. Sorry, I, I thought you were somebody else. You know, I, I, I thought you were the one doing that, but I'm, I'm wrong, and you're right. Is he ever going to say that? He's never going to say that, right? So uh, here we are in, in um, Hebrews chapter 12. He says in verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So what happens a lot of times is the Lord will chasten us. In other words, he corrects us, right? He will say, what you're doing is wrong. What you said was wrong. Your attitude needs to be changed. You know, your thought life needs to be changed. You know, there's a lot of philosophy that gets built up in the church. A lot of people have philosophical ideas about the Lord that's not based on the word of God. Just, well, it's what I see. This This is the way I see it. Well, that's great. It has nothing to do with nothing, right? Who cares how you see it? What matters is what does the word say, Amen. And many times the word will come in conflict with the way you see it. And you'll read a verse and, and the Lord is good. And then we'll twist it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into church and we'll just bend that word to where it's not even what it says. You know, well, God is good because he puts sickness on you. Well, how is that good? In what universe is it good to be sick? Uh, and yet people will do say things like that. Well, that's, well, you just don't understand the goodness of God. I understand perfectly the goodness of God because he said, you know, he used the example of fathers, right? If you're father on earth, 
uh, will, will do right by his son. Won't my father, won't, won't he much more in heaven, right, do right by you? Much more. Amen. So he, used, he uses an example on the earth as a good father. Uh, and he said, I'm way better than that. And we, so we all know what a good father is, and we all know what a bad father is, right? Uh, and he says, you know, you can use it as an example to know how good I am. So this crazy thoughts of God put sickness onto you, what, what, what would we say of a father who, well, I exposed my son to the plague, you know, to help them. You know, we went through the, you know, COVID's going through the whole world. So we went down to find the worst location of COVID. And I just put my son in there to play, uh, to play among all the people that got COVID. Told, make sure you lick him and sneeze on him and cough on him a couple times, you know, because I need to teach him some good things, right? Now, what would we do to a father who would do something like that? We would call them an unfit father. And yet the Lord says, if you find a good father, that's an example of what I'm doing, except I'm even better than that. Amen. So that would not be a good father that, that exposes their son and children to sickness and disease. And yet we say things like that. So, so many times the Lord will chasten us. He will rebuke us. And, and it's almost always got to do with either what we've done or what we think. Sometimes what we say, you know, but, but anything that's outside the, the perfect alignment of his will in our life, he will, if your heart is right with him, he will rebuke you. Now, many times the Lord, people will be like, well, don't talk to me about that, Lord. And so you know what he'll do? He won't talk to you about that. And, and if every single time uh, he chastises you or rebukes you, say, hey, that word that you said, that attitude you had, that thought that you were thinking, you know, that you keep thinking about over and over again. Um, if every time he comes in and tries to do and rebuke us and correct us and chastise about that. If we go, no, Lord, I didn't do that. Lord, you don't understand. Lord, I didn't mean to. And we try to excuse our actions or excuse our thoughts or excuse our words. You know, after a while, the Lord will just, you know, he'll just let you stew on your own for a while. Right. Uh, and of course, there's no law, no rule about how often he'll do that, when he'll do that. Uh, but, you know, if you know, Old Testament, he said, leave Ephraim alone. He's joined himself to his idols. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, you remember uh, way back in the Old Testament. When he was dealing with Abraham, remember, uh, he gave Abraham the promise of Isaac. Uh, and, and of course, there was some time. There was a delay in time there. Right. It took 25 years from the time the promise was first uh, uh, spoken to the time the promise was manifested in, in Abraham's life. So along the way, Abraham's like, well, maybe you know, maybe the Lord's going to do it through Hagar, right? And, of course, Sarah said, hey, Abraham, you know, it's been a little long. Why don't you go in with Hagar uh, and, and, you know, have a child with her? And, and you know, a Hagar was young, you know, pretty. And, uh, and Abraham's like, for honey, for you, I'll do it. You know, I, it's not my idea. But for you, I'll go sleep with a maid, right? You know, because I love you and I want to I be good to you. So I'm going to go sleep with a maid to help you right now. How well did that work out for him? It didn't work out so well for him, right? Of course, they, they were both involved in it, you know, but then, of course, Sarah got a little upset after the fact. And, and you know, I mean, I don't know why she got upset. It was her idea, right? But, but sometimes your idea, you don't like the end result of your idea, right? And so, but after he did that, it was 13 years before the Lord spoke to Abraham again. 13 years. Can you believe 13 years? You know, and the Lord was speaking to Abraham on a regular basis. And then he goes out and does his own thing. And the Lord's just like, I'll get back to you in a few years. You know, and so you've got to be careful about being disrespectful to the Lord Jesus. You know, he may just let you, you know, I, again, there's no law. You know, it's, I, he, may, he may just overlook it and speak to you tomorrow. I don't know. 
but do you want to roll the dice like that? I don't want to roll the dice like that. Lord, not speak to me for 13 years. Uh, and so, but the Lord, if, if your heart is to be like him, I can guarantee you he will rebuke you. On a regular, you know, I was just thinking just, just in the last 24 hours, you know, I can think of at least three different ways the Lord's rebuked me. You know, I'm not going to tell you all the ways, you know, but, but just attitudes and, and thoughts and just different things. The Lord, you know, three different ways just in the last 24 hours. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's my life. Uh, it just seems like that's my life all the time. The Lord's always on my case about something. And I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful sense. I'm glad that he does. And I'm glad that, 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 that my heart is to allow him to do that. I want him to do that. I just, because after he, I'm always better off after he rebukes me. Amen. You know, I can feel sorry for myself and all, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all, but I, I'm always better off. I'm a better person after the fact than before the fact. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm not going to faint when I'm rebuked of him. I'm not going to be like, well, just, you know, I'm just so tired of getting rebuked. You know, I'm just like, I'm always wrong. You know, uh, you ever met people who are never wrong? I can guarantee you people who think they're never wrong are never chastised of the Lord. Amen. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I think I'm wrong. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, one translation of verse five there says, and you have completely forgotten the exhortation, which is of such a nature as to speak to you as to sons. Son of mine, stop making light of the Lord's discipline, correction, and guidance. Stop fainting when you are being effectually rebuked by him. So stop it. Stop fainting. Stop, stop getting upset when the Lord rebukes you because it's to your advantage. Amen. You know, I can't tell you. Uh, uh, my kids, you know, we went through a process and every now and then I would spank them, you know. And, uh, and, and, um, but every single time, things were better in my household after the fact than before the fact. Before the fact, there was tension, right? Conflict, disagreements, arguing, fussing. After that, peace and calm, right? <laughs> so after the chastisement, peace and calm. So we like peace and calm. Uh, one of my favorite sayings was from uh, Lester Sumrall. Uh, and so Lester Sumrall said, uh, he said, I am often amazed at what some people will allow themselves and others to go through just to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Uh, and and <laughs> that's a great say because when some people get caught, when they get busted, you know, for whatever they're doing or whatever they said, I mean, that will go to the ends of the earth before they will repent. And they will fight and fuss and scream and holler. No, I didn't do it. It ain't my fault. It's their fault. You don't understand. And, I mean, instead of just saying, you know, I was wrong. Yeah, it's all on me. 100% on me. I mean, they, they will move a mountain before they will admit wrong. Uh, and he said, he, he said, I'm often amazed at what some people will allow themselves and others to go through just to avoid five minutes of soul cleansing shame of saying, you know, I was wrong. It's all on me. hundred percent on me. That is pretty rare. But I have seen people fight. I mean, they will break out armies and, you know, uh, of, of words and excuses of why they're not at fault. And, you know, I can guarantee you someone like that is, is rarely rebuked of the Lord. Because if every time the Lord said, hey, what you did was, you know, was wrong right there. I mean, they will come out swinging and fighting and fussing and arguing and excusing. Uh, and, and the problem is, you know, the Lord is constrained in their life, too. Uh, instead of just saying, you know, instead, instead of taking a hit of the shame of, you know, I, that's all on me, 100% on me. You know, I did that. Um, instead of doing that, 
for five minutes, because after five minutes, nobody remembers it, you know. But, I mean, if you blow your top and you, and you part the Red Sea with your words and, you know, you, you have the earth open up and swallow everybody around you, people will remember that a long time. Amen. Nobody's going to remember that you, you took the hit and go, yeah, that's all on me. Uh, sorry, my bad. Uh, in fact, they'll think a lot of you, right? But um, uh, you want me to read that one more time? <laughs> it's such a great phrase. I am often amazed at what some people will allow themselves and others to go through just to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Uh, you know, those things are usually over. Uh, and, and, you know, the issue is, the real root of the, co- the root cause is we have a reputation. And we think that we want people to think of us some way. We don't want people to think that we're ever wrong. Uh, as if, you know, the Lord said uh, uh, that everybody's a liar. And he's the only, he's the only one to let everybody a liar, you know, and he, he'd be the truth. Um, Everybody's wrong. We're all wrong. Are you breathing air? Well, you're wrong, you, you know. Uh, and, and if you'll just be okay with that, because I'm okay with that, uh, and, you know, and it seems as though oftentimes that as we advance in, in, in intelligence and advance in education that the smarter people get, the dumber they are, you know, that somehow they think because they're a human being with some level of intelligence that somehow they're as smart as God. Now, and it's really embarrassing that people would even think that, but... Um, but they are there. So, so, you know, if you want to live a life on this earth and you want to grow in the Lord and want to become more like him every day, you have to allow the Lord to rebuke you. You have to allow the Lord to chastise you. Uh, because he says in the very next verse, he says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth and scourgeth every son whom he received. Right? Isn't that what it says there? Uh, and so, in fact, you can come on reading a few more verses here. He says, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteth not? But if you be without chastening, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. And that's pretty strong words there, right? But what he's saying, you know, if you're an illegitimate son, he doesn't chastise you. Uh, And uh, if you are an actual son, but you're not being chastised, then you're in the same boat as being an illegitimate son. You know, you're, you're, you are a child of God, but, but the way he has to relate to you is as if you are not an heir of God, as if you are an illegitimate son. Uh, uh, and so that would be tough. And yet how many of his children in the church is he having to treat as if they are illegitimate children? It's not on him. He, d- he doesn't treat them that way, but the way that they place themselves is, Lord, I don't want to be treated as a son. I want to be over here like I'm an illegitimate son where you don't have any rights or privileges to rebuke me. Uh, that's the way I want you to treat me. And, if, and if, that's our, if our actions and our words are that way with the Lord, then, then it's unfortunate, but that's the way he has to treat you because of your choices, your desires, amen? Lord, don't be rebuking me. All right, then you're on the list of not being rebuked. Then, then, and, and you're in the same list as illegitimate children. Amen. You want to be an illegitimate child? Nobody wants to be. Nobody wants to raise their hands. Yeah, that's me. That's the way I want to be. Right. But sometimes our actions cause us to be that way. Amen. We don't want to be rebuked because we think we have a reputation. Well, if you know, how many times have I told you how how many things I've done wrong in my life from the pulpit? Right. I I could care less. You think bad about me because I made a mistake. See, you, you've missed the point. It's not about that I've made a mistake. It's about that I'm going to learn from my mistake and get better and not make that mistake again next time. Amen. See, I can learn from my mistakes. If you've never done anything wrong, then there's nothing for you to ever learn from. 
Amen. Uh, and so, now, are these verses in the Bible? I mean, he spent a lot of time here in chapter 12 about these things, right? Uh, and so, uh, he said, Furthermore, we have had uh, fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence and honor. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Uh, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. And so, you know, a lot of times parents are only doing it. You know, my, my parents, and I'm not speaking ill of them, but my parents' primary goal in disciplining us, we had 11 children in our family, right? So their primary goal was not to train us, but to get peace and quiet in the house, Right? Beatings will commence until uh, peace uh, arrives, right? And so, uh, you know, they would just start beating everybody in sight. You know, my mom had a, had a uh, I called it a scepter, but it was a, it was a switch from, from uh, a lilac bush, right? Long and slender, and I mean, they'd wrap around your leg three different times, you know, and, and, and then and she, would, she would wield that scepter, you know, and, and it's like a horse whip, you know, just if you got within striking distance, you know, it was like a rattlesnake, just, you know, and it's like, what, what just happened? I just got beat. You know, and sometimes you'd wonder why you got beat so often. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, your profit, his desire is that you are better off after you were chasing the rebuke than you were before. That's your profit, right? You're better off after you invest the time of being rebuked than you were before that. Isn't that what he says? So do you see that as a pro- See, I see it as a benefit. I see it as a blessing when the Lord corrects me. Because if I stew in my attitudes and just sit there and waller in my self-pity and sit there and, and just act like I'm all that and, and a bag of chips and I'm better than everybody else around me and, and I'm so wonderful and I'm never doing anything wrong, if I live in that, I would be a, a horrible person. You know, I thank God oftentimes that none of you knew me when I was my son's age, right? Because I knew everything there was to know. By the time I arrived at 20 years old, and I, you know, I, I was way up there. I mean, you know. I knew everything there was to know about God because, you know, I, you know I, I was an orphan at 15 and, and, you know, born again when I was 15. And, uh, and, and, you know, you have to learn some things pretty quick, right? Life lessons and learn them on your own. And, but sometimes if you learn those life lessons on your own, you're thinking, well, look how important I am. I learned all these things on my own. None of you all helped me. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, you, you know, your, your head uh, uh, suffers from being swelled up too much, right? Uh, and um, Bob was telling me about he was in an accident one time. They said his head swelled up, you know, and I got to thinking about how much my head swelled up, you know, and I was never in an accident. Uh, and um, uh, so I thank God, you know, that, uh, that I learned because it's been to my profit that the Lord has rebuked me over the years. Amen. And I still, you know, now nobody looks forward to it. I don't look forward to being rebuked, but I, I, I am, uh, I'm glad of the results when he does rebuke me and ch- chastens me, right? He said it's for your profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Amen? That we can look just like him. Didn't he say, be holy as I'm holy? The only way you're going to get there is by him chastening you. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, and then, of course, then he says, this is a Captain Obvious statement right here, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Uh, and so, are you ever happy when you're rebuked? You know, there's been times when the Lord's rebuked me, just showed me things about my life, about who I am. And, and it's just, it's all you, I mean, it just causes your knees to buckle. You think, my Lord, I'm just a horrible person. I don't say that to just, you know, some people 
you know, oh, I'm just a terrible person. They don't really mean it, right? Because they think they're wonderful people, but they say, you know, they act like they're all, you know, uh, false humility kind of people, right? Uh, but uh, in those times when he chastens you, you know, it can, it can really hurt. You know, I remember one time I was telling Jerry about uh, uh, Brother Hagen was struggling with some finances uh, years ago, and, and um, uh, the Lord said, well, look at you, pretty little thing. Uh, you're you're um, teaching everybody to, to live by faith, and you're not living by faith. And he's like, hey, well, you, know, it's just, you know, it's kind of unfair, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, he, he bucked up a little bit, and the Lord showed him what was going on. He's like, yeah, well, you're right. I mean, after a while, I was like, well, you're right. Uh, uh, and it had to do with, you know, about uh, uh, really his attitude there. He, he had been going to the Lord about uh, Isaiah 119. that says uh, uh, that, uh, that if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And he said he'd been traveling in the ministry for a year and, and his kids were, were not well fed, not well clothed. His wife was not well clothed. You know, they lived in a little one room house, not a one bedroom house, a one room house. Right. And uh, and so it was it was a tough for a year. It was tough. And he said, Lord, you said I could eat the good of the land. And he said, I'm not. I'm behind on everything. And, and he said, and he said, you know, your word says, though, that I can eat the good of the land. He says, you're right. He said, you're just not qualified. Because he didn't say that that uh, everybody gets to eat the good of the land, did he? Right. In fact, you know, we got just a minute. Let's turn over to Isaiah 119. So you can read it in your own Bible. Right. Because you got to read it in your own Bible. Make sure I'm not lying to you. Uh, of course, I'm not lying to you. But. Uh, but he says in, in Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And the Lord said, you're not qualified. Now, that's a rebuke, right? That, that's a that's a chastisement. He said, because uh, 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 we have a right, if the Lord promised, is this a promise? This is a promise, right? Second Corinthians one twenty says, all the promises of God are in him, yes, and him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. This is a promise. You can go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is a promise. You said you would do this. I need you to do this. It doesn't seem like you're doing this. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, that's, what the, that's what Brother Hagin went to the Lord about. And the Lord said, you're right. I did say that. That is a promise. But you're not qualified. Because are there qualifications in this promise? See, there are. Most promises have qualifications. Here's what you've got to do to activate this promise in your life. Now, there's very few promises that you've got to do nothing. Uh, I mean, even getting born again. You don't have to earn it, but you still have to confess and believe, don't you, to get born again? People don't just get born again by accident. They get born again because they, 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 they activate the promise in their life by confessing and believing. Well, here there's two requirements. Be willing and obedient. Uh, he said, you're not qualified. He said, you, not been, uh, you didn't do your requirement. He said, he said, I'm on the road. I'm doing what you told me to do. I've been obedient to go to everywhere you told me to preach. He said, yeah. He said, but every time you've gone, you, you wanted to be home with your kids. So you were obedient, but you weren't willing. You ever been obedient, but not willing? You know, you go do it. I'll go do it. But you don't want to, but you do it anyway. Well, you're obedient, but you're, so you're halfway there, but you're not all the way there. So he said, yeah, every time you went, you, you wanted to be at home with your kids and your wife. And he said, I've called you to do this ministry. I've called you to do this before the foundation of the world. And so, and, and the only way you can qualify yourself to receive this promise is to both be willing and obedient. So when you go, you've got to be willing to go, not just go and get your check mark. A lot of people just get their check. Well, I I'm going to church, you know. Yeah, but are you willing to go to church? I don't want to go to church, but I'm going to go anyway. Well, that's great. You're not qualified to receive the promise. Amen. Uh, and, and so the Lord showed him that. 
well, that's a chastisement. That's a rebuke, right? That, that's, that's correcting him and showing him that he's not doing what the word says. Because the word says, here's how to activate this promise in your life. And if you, don't want to, if you don't want this promise activated in your life, then don't go to the Lord and say, well, Lord, you said I can have, uh, eat the good of the land. That's not what he said. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you can eat the good of the land. Amen. So there's a, there, there, there's a caveat, right? There's a, there's a requirement in order to activate this promise in your life. And he said, uh, and of course, if you ever heard Brother Hagin tell the story, he said, don't tell me it takes a long time to, to change. He said, in my heart, because it was a heart's issue, right? It wasn't a physical issue. He was going everywhere the Lord said him to go. But his, his, if you look behind him, there were heel marks, right? Dragging his feet everywhere he went because he didn't want to go. But he went, but there were still heel marks. So don't tell me it takes a long time to change. Just on the inside, I just made a correction right there in my heart. Nobody saw it. No, and, no, and on the outside, nobody could tell the difference. He still went everywhere the Lord told him to go. No difference. But in his heart, he changed because the Lord said, you're unqualified to see. And he said, from that point forward, uh, he was never uh, in want of finances and, and blessings in his life because he just changed and started doing what the Lord said. Amen. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so being rebuked of the Lord, I mean, Hebrews is, you know, the, they, they were kind in Hebrews to say, look, nobody likes this, right? Nobody's like, Lord, can you chastise me today? today? You know, it's, been, it's been like all week. You know, sometimes I'd come through the house and, and just tell the kids, you know, I've not spanked anybody for a few days. You just line up right now. Uh, and just, you know, just mess with them like that, right? You know, it's been like days since we've spanked anybody. So let's spank, you know, who wants to spank him? Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, we'd go sometimes for weeks without having to do anything, you know, uh, at my house. And so, um, so uh, nobody likes it, right? It's not something we look forward to. But, but if we'll see it as a profit in our lives, because is the Lord good? He is good. And if he's good, sometimes he will rebuke you and chastise you. And so you see it as a prophet. See it's to your advantage for him to do that. Because if he loves you, he said, if he loves you, he chastise you, right? Now, if you're not getting chastised, it's not because he stopped loving you. It's because, you know, you've done this right here. Amen. Like I said, last 24 hours, at least three different times, the Lord's like, and it's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll be glad to change, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes, and I have talked to the Lord about it. Lord, uh, do you do everybody else like this? Because it seems like he's just on my case all the time, all the time, you know. That right there, you know, things that nobody will ever notice. Things that nobody will ever know. The attitudes or thoughts, you know, go by saying, well, you're, you, know, you, you know how you make those googly eyes at somebody, you know, y'all don't make those googly eyes at somebody, and they'll be like, and nobody else will ever notice it except for him. Uh, and, and so, uh, so, uh, I'm going to read that uh, statement one more time from, from Lester Sumrall. I am often amazed at what some people will allow themselves and others to go through just to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Amen. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, you know, there's just certain things that just really, you know, because I have seen it and I have done it many times. You know, it's a smokescreen, right? If I explode, it's a smokescreen to keep you from, you know, and I've had people do it. I just wait till, the, till all the steam is, is exhausted and I go, it's still right. You're still, what you did is still wrong, you know, and just let it all, you know, and, and uh, uh, they'll still stay mad at you. But, uh, but for whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth, amen. Not with sickness and disease, not with telephone poles dropping on your head, not with breaking an arm or a leg, but always by his spirit and by his word. 
uh, and, uh, and the last one, uh, and also by the people around you. Amen. Uh, and I know we've got to go, and, and one of the things I want to talk a little bit about, and maybe we'll talk about it next week, is allow your pastor to rebuke you on occasion. Amen. Uh, and we need to find out how to allow that to happen without being offended and, and leaving the church. Amen. Because there's a lot of times that I'm, I know I need to say something to somebody and there's a constraint in my life. I can't do that because if I say that, they'll leave. And then they'll, then they'll be worse off than, than if they'd stayed. Amen. Uh, and so not that you can't ever leave a church or anything. We're not talking about a cultish environment, but, um, you know, it, it's uh, if you're supposed to be here, you shouldn't leave. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, my attitude when I was with my pastor is, is the Lord had called me to be under his ministry. And there was nothing he could do to cause me to leave. Nothing. And he tried many times. He didn't try to get me to leave, but he was, so, he was very unkind to me many times. I mean, uh, you know, it's just like I tell my kids. I said, uh, in fact, uh, not long ago, I asked Jared. I said, Jared, have you thanked the Lord uh, lately about uh, how wonderful your parents are to you? <laughs> uh, you know, every now and then I'll ask him questions like that. And I'll tell my kids, you know, hey, you all won the parent lottery, you know. Uh, and and uh, just kind of mess with them, you know. Uh, I, I know I'm not perfect or anything uh, by any means, but, you know, if you're called to be here, let me uh, on occasion, if, you know, listen, 99.9% .9 of the time, if you'll just listen to the, to the teaching of the word, you'll get all the chastising and rebuking you need without me having to come find you. Amen. If you'll just listen and, and really more than that. I mean, you could literally go the rest of your life and me not have to come to address anything directly to you. If you just listen to the preaching of the word, amen. Uh, and um, I told you about the one person the Lord was, uh, you know, they, they've been gone from the church for many years. And, and one day I was just thinking about them and, and I asked the Lord, so the Lord, why do they leave? <clears throat> and, and he told me the funniest thing. He said, he said they left because they ran out of toes because I've been stepping on their toes, you know, just in the pulpit. Right. Not personally, but just, you know, I'd say something and it, it would it basically rebuke something in their life. And many times they'd come to me and say, did you have a camera in my house? Because that's exactly what I said today. And I didn't know that, you know. Uh, and, uh, and then one day they just left. And the Lord said they ran out of toes. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to run out of toes. Amen. The Lord's going to rebuke me. If I got to get a new set of toes, he'll just give me a new set of toes. Amen. <clears throat> and so, so we'll look at a few, more, a few more things in this area. Because many times when rebuking happens, people faint. And they just quit. Well, I'm just not putting up with that. Well, then stay the way you are the rest of your life. I mean, that's the only alternative, right? Uh, unless you're perfect, and I haven't met anybody perfect. Anybody, anybody perfect? I met plenty of people who think they're perfect. I've met nobody who's actually perfect, amen? Uh, and, and so, and I'm pretty close, but, you know, uh, I've still got a ways to go, right? So, uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we thank You for the Word. And, Father, we do thank You that You do love us. And if You love us, Father, You will correct us on occasion. And, Father, we don't look forward to it, but we do know it's to our profit. It's to our benefit. It's to, to help us. Because you love us and desire of us to, be, to be, look more like you, Father. And to be like you, and to speak like you, and to act like you, and to think like you. And so, Father, many times you will have to chastise and, and to rebuke us and to correct us to get us back on course. And so, Father, we thank you that you love us to do that. We thank you that you care enough about us to, to help us and to change us and to cause us to grow up. And we thank you that your spirit is kind towards us, Father, and gentle towards us. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? He is good. Amen. If, he, if he's good, he will chastise and correct us. Amen. So don't faint.
Don't quit when he does that. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And, uh, you know, I remember when, when uh, one of my kids, they were, they were like first grade or so, you know. Uh, and uh, there was one of the kids that were kind of rotten at school and picking on them, being mean to them. Uh, and, and so, you know, you don't understand because they didn't see that growing up, right? And so it was a new thing when they saw kids act like that in school. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And so they, they said, you know, why do they do that? Why, why are they so mean? And, you know, that's a, you know when, they're, when they're that young, the answer is really easy. And I said, it's because the parents don't love them enough to correct them. Because, you know, you don't have to let your kids be mean. Amen. Uh, and, and they looked at me and they paused for a second. And they said, that is so sad <laughs> that their parents don't love them enough to correct them. Right. Because I never put up with my kids being mean or unkind to anybody. Right. Uh, there's no way, you know, uh, just no. Yeah. And I've heard so many parents, you know, and when it was my pastor, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of kids around my kids and, and uh, some of their kids would act up and, uh, and, they, and they would always accuse, excuse their child's behavior and say, well, they're just tired or they're hungry. And I told my kids, I don't care if you're tired or hungry, you still got to do right. Because is there an excuse? You know, you got to do right unless you're tired and hungry. There's a lot of parents, a lot of adults who think that, right? I got to do right unless I'm tired or hungry. And they'll just treat you like dirt. If, you're, if they're tired or hungry, they'll chew you, you know, bite your head off and be mean to you, you know. Well, I was tired. Okay, not an excuse, right? <laughs> and so, uh, praise God. The Lord is good, amen? Let's not faint. Uh, let's allow the Lord to do His job and allow us to become better people, amen? And so don't forget today, uh, we won't have a healing school. Uh, and um, uh, if you want to go to the funeral for Miss Bessie, I don't know if, you know, of course, many of you probably didn't know her, uh, but the visitation is from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock at uh, Garrison Funeral Home, just right down the road there. Uh, it's like 27 red lights that way. Uh, and, um, and then the service will be at 4 o'clock at Garrison. And then burial will be at the, uh, uh, at the Ray Cemetery. And then food at the, uh, uh, at the family church after that. Amen. Uh, so be praying for the family as well. So y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord and you're dismissed.